Dangling After Dark with Dick Dangle. Episode 455 is a full episode interview with the incredible fetish model, performer, and content creator, Arson Lee. Warning, this show is only for adults who like sex. Does your dick hang low? Does it dangle to and fro? Can you tie it in a knot? Can you tie it in a bow? (laughs) Don't worry. Dick will be coming. Welcome to the Covert Nation. Here he is. Dick Dangle. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 455 of Dangling After Dark with Dick Dangle. Welcome to the Pervert Nation. I am your host, Dick Dangle, and I hope that this episode and message finds you doing well, warming up with this spring weather that we are experiencing, being safe, and living the best life you possibly can. With this episode, I have a full show interview with the beautiful Arson Lee. Thank you so much to Triple X Star PR for the opportunity to interview this incredible woman. As I started to do my research on her, I was really finding myself captivated by not only what she was creating, but how she was creating it and what the final product looked like. It is absolutely exquisite, whether it is her own content or the modeling and photography that she is a part of. And all of a sudden, I find myself being utterly captivated by her as we started to talk. She is genuine and you could tell that she is very very passionate about what she is creating and how she wants it to look and how she wants people to respond to it but you can really feel the positive energy and you could feel the creative energy that just comes from her as we are talking we cover a lot of different subjects when it comes to it a lot of it is within the mindset and the the creative process of being a fetish model and a fetish performer. But one thing I really enjoyed doing was kind of diving into a little bit more of who she is as a person and what she enjoys. Like always, I look through their social media to see if I could ask them any fun questions. And with a couple of the questions, we go a little bit long in the answers and we have a lot of fun with it. But after the interview, we ended up talking quite a bit about some of the things that we mutually enjoy. And I absolutely live for those moments. I hope that everyone listening to this really searches her out and looks at what she is creating. It is engaging and it is a true feast for the eyes. But it definitely makes you feel something when you look at it. And that is truly the art that she is creating with her content. It is absolutely amazing. So I am going to back away from the microphone and I'm going to have you listen to this interview 
Pervert Nation, I know that you are going to absolutely fall in love with this amazing woman like I have. She is super cool, does great work. There's truly nothing not to like. So thank you one and all for listening to this episode. Please take care of yourselves and each other. Pay for your porn and support amazing content creators like Arson Lee and all of the other people that you have heard on this show over the years. Find something that feeds your soul and do it as often as you possibly can. And of course, dangle on. As a model and performer, my guest has a flair and gift for the sexual arts. She has recently worked with Ink Vixen and Collective Corruption and also makes her own stunning content, all of which is visually captivating and hard to ignore. And no matter the medium that she chooses to present herself in, it is nothing short of perfection. Welcome to the Temple of Flesh and the Altar of Smut that is the stunning Arson Lay. How are you doing today? I'm doing so awesome. That was amazing. I'm very honored to be here and to be able to have space to talk with you today. Oh, 100%. I... This is, I'm very excited to do this interview, but before we get it started, can you please tell everybody listening where they could find you online and on social media? Yeah, um, there are plenty of social media links that you can find me at. I am on Twitter at Saint underscore Arson. I'm Instagram Saint dot Arson. You can find me on OnlyFans.com slash Arson and on many bids. It's Arson Lee. Very nice. And thank you for saying that because some people pronounce it Lee, some people pronounce it Lay, so I'm glad you corrected me on that one. Yeah, not a problem at all. (laughs) So I really got wrapped up in doing my research on you because I really love what you are creating, but I kind of want to start in the beginning. Your sex work history is a full journey through all aspects from dancing to camming to content creation and more. Was this journey about self-exploration? Was it about artistic expression, maybe taking opportunities given or all of the above? I would say it would be all of the above, but I would say that when I first started and I didn't realize back then what I was doing, um, when I turned 18, I started doing art modeling And now, uh, eight years into the industry, very heavily, I see myself as a sex worker since almost the age of 18, because I didn't realize that posing nude and creating art that way was still under the umbrella of sex work. And all I really ever wanted to do was use my body as an extension of my art and expression. What made you comfortable in doing that, especially at that time in your life? Because a lot of people tend to kind of get in their own heads when it comes to maybe presenting themselves sexually when they are a little bit younger. They may feel very, you know, they they might have issues with self-esteem and self-image. What made you so comfortable with that? I, (laughs) I have to say, I've just always had that kind of rebellious streak in me. I never saw anything wrong with nudity or sexuality, even though society deems it as something to be shameful and it's demonized by all the other outside sources. And I never understood that. And I was always kind of thinking to myself, like, fuck that. 
this is part of who I am. This feels right. Um, it's always very hard to overcome that stigma from society. It's hard to get out of your own head and um, not listen to people. And your intuition is never going to guide you to a place that shouldn't be trusted. Your gut is never wrong. And I just have always gotten into this habit of really listening to my intuition and trying to be true to myself under any circumstances, no matter what. And it's really paid off. And I'm really, really proud of everything that I've done over the years. And I'm sure having that intuition really helped you find the people that allowed you to create what you wanted to create, especially in the early days. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I would say, you know, there have been some teachable moments mm -hmm. and um, especially when you're that young and the world is so bright and so new and you feel like all the opportunities are, you know, at your fingertips and you kind of just want to say yes to everything. And I'm just really grateful for the people I've had in my life that have kind of been there for me to say, you know, maybe you should kind of take a step back and listen to your intuition. They always wanted to kind of help guide me and understand where I'm coming from in a, from an artistic point of view, but also to keep me safe as well. And I've been really grateful for that. Now, to anyone that may look at your social media, they will see that you are into a number of different kinks and fetishes. <sighs> the adult industry really gives you a safe space to explore these in your own sexuality. What kinks and fetishes do you enjoy and which ones have you discovered an enjoyment of while being in sex work? Mm, I feel like I have a an ever-evolving, revolving door of kinks and fetishes. I know for a fact that latex, rubber, that is at the top of my list. I'm somebody who's very visual, and I like all of my senses to be turned on when it comes to vision and touch. And I'm really into textures, lots of bit, lots of shiny and smooth. That really gets me going. Recently, I feel like um, probably within the last, uh, I would say two, three years is when I really discovered my love for pegging. Mm. Pegging has been something that just, I started doing it and I could not stop. I was like, wow, this power exchange is absolutely fucking incredible. And I just keep finding new experimental ways to enjoy myself that way with people who are really down for that. And I'm also very grateful for that. I would also say I'm not really much of a foot person when it comes to giving, but receiving hmm. is a completely different thing for me. My feet are really sensitive and I absolutely adore the gentle sensation of like a tongue around my toes and somebody just like gracefully gripping on them and just seeing somebody down there looking up at me with those eyes. I just want to keep that look on their face. It's fucking incredible. Um, but like I said, it's just always evolving. There's always more to be learned about and discovered and there's just so much. And I can't wait to keep discovering. I mean, that's kind of all part of it, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And 
when you have that enthusiasm for trying new things and seeing if you like it, is it difficult to kind of dial that back a bit and be a little bit more controlled with it? Because when there is that power dynamic, when it comes to things and fetish, I would imagine you have to be a little bit careful to what you're feeling and what you're putting out to the other person. Oh, absolutely. And that's why communication is uh, just completely key. Communication is at the forefront of everything. Expressing boundaries is at the forefront of everything. And to really put that trust into another person and uh, to be vulnerable like that with another person, you do need to understand body language and the way that people kind of check out when they're in subspace. Mm. And that's also why I like bottoming and subbing too. I want to know what it's like in reverse. And so I know how to properly do that with somebody else. I try to play that very equally. I like to check in with uh, other people that I'm playing with or performing with. And it's, like I said, it's all about communication and trust. And that's extremely important to me. And I think that that should never be overlooked Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Very, very well said. Now, when it comes to pegging, it's not necessarily a natural motion for women. At least it it doesn't look (laughs) natural on video. Did it take you a while to really dial that in? No, I feel like I'm a natural thruster. Um, (laughs) As soon as I got that strap on me. It just, I felt immense power and I was like, wow, I can really fuck. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was really fun. Um, When I first put on a strap, I was taking a strapping course um, from Mistress Tara Indiana at Dungeon East in LA. And there was just a whole group of us and we either made our own strap out of rope or we brought our own. And there was a willing sub there to practice on, uh, who was Mistress Terry Indiana's sub. And we all lined up. We were all lined up with all of these, like, strap dildos ready to peg this one guy who's ass up in the air, (laughs) who just got fisted and warmed up. And just the power that I had when I walked up and I knew that this is what he wanted and that there, it was in a controlled environment. It was communicated. We were practicing. We were cheering each other on. I entered his asshole, and it's just the motion of my hips started. And I reached around and grabbed his balls. And Mistress Tara Indiana just starts giggling, <laughs> and she holds on to my hand, and she was like, "At a girl!" And I just thrust it <laughs> even harder. And that's how I knew. I fucking love this. It scratched like this primal part of my brain and I can never turn it off now. <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. And uh, you know, we are <laughs> only a few minutes into this interview. I'm sure your fans are just salivating at everything you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to share all of it. I feel like there's a lot that I've been um kind of keeping on the down low for a while. <laughs> okay. Well, whatever stories you are willing to share, please do. When it comes to exploring these different things that you are looking forward to and trying for the first time, it can get 
kind of expensive, especially I would imagine when it comes to latex fetish. Uh, how do you keep that kind of reined in and not get out of control with it? <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that out, to be completely <laughs> honest. <laughs> um, I have a completely separate dresser now for all of my latex. It got a little out of hand. Um and I had to figure out different ways of storing it because it's very finicky and very high maintenance. And so you can't just like throw it in the closet or throw it in a drawer. It has to be like kept clean and kept uh, cleansed and powdered and lubed and out of the sunlight and airtight and away from other colors. Like it has to be color separated. It's, it's a task. And I feel like when that much love goes into a fetish and a garment i i don't know how to explain it it just it makes me feel that much more proud to own a piece like that i mean it's very expensive the upkeep isn't just expensive but actually buying quality garments that um are handmade that can take up to 8 weeks to even get delivered but it's always very helpful to have submissives that are also very into aiding you in your addiction when it comes to rubber. So that has been extremely helpful. Shout out to uh, my latex subs. (laughs) (laughs) In the way that you describe that, you make me believe that my record collection is a fetish because I'll get a record and I'll clean it and it goes in its individual sleeve. (laughs) That's exactly what it's like. You know, I can empathize completely. I have way too many records myself. Oh, we're going to talk so much music later on. Trust me. Oh, go. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite one that you bought lately? Ooh, good question. Um, oh, my goodness. Because I've bought too many. You on the spot. <laughs> I, yeah, because I've bought way too many lately. Uh, I'm gonna have to. Th- we are gonna talk about music, so that'll give me a chance to think about it. So, All right, cool. Uh, we'll just put that on the background. Yeah, then. for sure. I will definitely not forget it. So, once you were in content creation, and maybe even once you started filming, how long did it take you to find people to explore your lifestyle and your kinks and fetishes with? And how has content creation and now filming for studios affected it? You know, it's kind of a a mixed bag there because when I was first starting stripping years ago, I started working in gentlemen's clubs and gentlemen's clubs have a more liberal kind of way of going about VIP rooms. And that's how I figured out that I could dom dominate these people professionally for money in these VIP rooms. And so that was kind of the blossom into finding people who are into this, realizing that there's a lot of people who gravitate towards that. And it was very interesting to start to hear about different things that turn different people on and like the reasonings behind it. And then when COVID hit and everybody was indoors and really starting to explore the depths of themselves, it just kind of like the floodgates opened and it was awesome to be able to talk to people from all over the world 
who had this time to reflect and really wanted to explore that with somebody else in an environment that was, you know, it, it wasn't going to perpetuate any shame whatsoever. And so that kind of started getting the ball rolling. And when I started exclusively doing Dom sessions, it, it was like people saw my content creation and they were drawn to it and they were like, I want to do this in person. And I was, I was so honored. I was like, wow, like you really like what I do. Let's, let's go. So it's been a, a multitude of transitions. It, it feels like it's constantly moving and there's always something new to learn about it. And it must be amazing, but I, I kind of want to use the word fulfilling when you're on cam in, you know, the, the time of the pandemic and you're finding this community that says, Hey, this person is accepting me for my kinks and for my fetishes and they want to help me explore. And as that grows, it must be truly fulfilling to be like, wow, this is amazing that they want me to be a part of this journey. Absolutely. I'm honored to be on that journey with them because there, there's so many different things in our world that keep us confined that tell us that what we like is shameful and it should be hidden. And to be able to give people a space where they can shed all of that and understand that there's this whole community of other people that are just like them, who they can talk to. It's, it must be so fucking liberating for them, but it just makes my heart glow. I'm just proud to watch people move past those walls and those boundaries to be able to like express themselves and accept themselves for who they are instead of just living in this dark cloud of shame. Mm. It's awesome. Now, what do you look for in people that you'd like to create and explore with? And are those a bit mutually exclusive? Because I'm sure exploring is a different headspace than creating. Absolutely. Um, well, it depends. If I'm creating with somebody who's already in the industry, um, I like to do my research. I like to see the content that they're already creating. I like to kind of touch base with them and say, hey, like, what are your boundaries? What are your visions? What are your goals? Do you think that if we were to collaborate with these ideas together that our fans would love it? And it's, you know, communication on a different end of the spectrum. Whereas if it's somebody who is paying me to film them, that's a completely different thing, too. Um, not talking studios. I'm talking people who are paying for service and paying submission that's different because that's a whole big vetting process for everyone's safety and to make sure that everybody is going to have a good time and no one feels violated. And the same thing goes for people who are other content creators, because you can never be too safe. You can al always count on other people to help vet for other people. And that's why community is so important for two completely different ends of the spectrum. I love the way you shoot your content because it's very artistic and it's still very sensual and sexual. How long did it take you to get to this style of finished product that we're looking at? Like, did it, was it a long process from getting it to how you envisioned it to how it's made? 
Oof. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you can already tell. Yeah, that answered the question. <laughs> um, well, first off, thank you. That that means a lot. It has taken a solid minute. Um, I'm one of those people that I, I just get stuck in my head about tiny, minute details and... I have to try to not let it hinder me. And for the longest time, that's what I would get stuck on. And I would just be like, you know what? I guess it is what it is. But now I, I really feel like I have refined things that are just so visually stunning that I'm so proud of. And it's so validating to hear you say that. I, I definitely feel like the pandemic lockdowns were a cocoon moment for me. And I feel like a lot of us got into this creative headspace. I mean, we were all really sad and fucked up, too, because, I mean, we're stuck inside all the time. But it was still a cocoon moment for me. And I was like, you know what? It's time to let my creativity just, like, burst out. And I was, you know, it was a lot of trial and error. But I learned so many things over the past couple years. And... It's been wild to watch it blossom this way. And it's just, it's really validating to hear that from you. I'm, I'm very proud. Well, thank you. I, I, and you're welcome. I, I appreciate that. I could see you making books. I could see you making calendars. I could see you actually putting this on, a, on physical media, like a DVD. Is it difficult to picture that with your own work or you know maybe make you know large frameable prints things like that or is that something you're kind of moving to or aspiring to do um i've i've given it thought i've tried to think of everything that i could possibly do i think the one idea that comes to the front every time i start going down this vortex of what I want to do is um, possibly an art gallery show. Ooh. That sounds like it's more up my alley. I mean, I have so many friends that are incredible artists and I really want it to be community based. And um, it just, I mean, maybe I could do other physical media. It just depends on like what kind of day I'm having and how <laughs> confident I'm feeling about it. Um but the art gallery idea has been in the back of my head for quite some time. And it it really starts to light a fire in me. Ever, ever since I start talking about it, I just get butterflies. Like, oh, this, is good. this could actually happen. So that's exciting. Now I'm excited all over again. Right. Thanks. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. I hope Can't you do this. Talk. <laughs> <laughs> Were there creators filmmakers or other artists that helped drive your own creativity when you first got started or maybe even now? Yeah. Yeah. I have always had such love for film, specifically art film. Maya Darren, Kenneth Anger, just to name a couple. They're very, um, very dark, very artistic filmmakers. They were, really just like pioneers in the art film world. And I always loved this kind of like retro, dreamy, romantic, yet kind of fucked up undertone of everything. And I still try to do that even when it's not my work. 
even when it's just other art projects that I do, that's the stuff that I'm drawn to. And I'm grateful that I'm like in a position where I get to choose when it comes to stuff like that. But yeah, film has a lot to do with that. And just, I mean, I try to do everything when it comes to art. I feel like art shouldn't be put in a box. It's such a big umbrella. So I try to kind of pick and choose from other things, especially like Renaissance art and sculptures and um yeah i could man i could go on about this for way too long (laughs) well i'll just have to have you on again at some point let's go (laughs) well i guess it really all depends on how much time you have for this interview right (laughs) this might be a two-parter right (laughs) (laughs) now in having such an eye for visually stunning and engaging artistic creations does this extend beyond working in the adult industry for you like do you aspire to do mainstream work or do things that may not be of a a sexual nature absolutely one of my dreams (laughs) as uh, a young model was I always thought I'm going to be a video vixen You know, like that's what I saw growing up on TV. But I think I'm taking that desire and morphing it into something else. Um, I've always had a love for music. And like I was talking about earlier, I have a love for film. And recently I've done a few artistic short indie films. And I cannot wait to be able to show that off to the world. I, I got to collaborate with some really incredible people for that. And I am able to kind of live out my screen queen dreams because I'm also a huge horror fanatic. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so being able to do that with my friends at Eternal Film Productions is just an honor. And um, that should be coming out pretty soon, too. I'll be sure to let everybody know when that happens. So, Yeah, please do, because I will retweet the heck out of that one. Thanks. <laughs> when it comes to that... Is it difficult or is it, I should say, maybe is it similar where you have that mindset? Because in your adult creations, you're like, I want it to be perfect. I want it to look the way I see it in my head. When it comes to like more of a mainstream feel, that can be kind of difficult. It can be. Um, Learning how to harness certain emotions, facial expressions in front of a camera is something that I feel like. I'm pretty good at because I've been in front of a camera for so long and I've heard so many different things come from so many different people behind the camera. Like, Oh, can you give me more vulnerability? Oh, can you give me a little bit more surprise? And it's just being able to practice that for years and being able to turn it on and off so quickly. I feel like kind of makes that transition a lot easier than maybe for other people, because I just have so much experience with different things over the years. And that in itself, like, again, I'm extremely grateful for that. You recently had a scene released by Inked Vixens in which you did a scene with uh, the performer Trap. How do you choose which companies you want to work with? Is it brand and aesthetic Is it reputation? How does that work for you? Reputation first. Aesthetic can draw you in 
no problem, but I want to know who's doing it. I want to know what they're like, uh, what their personality is like, uh, if they're easy to talk to, is it going to be an A and B conversation? Are they going to listen to me? I want to be able to trust them before I even consider getting in front of the camera with somebody. And when I was, um, when I first met Trap at AVN in January, it, it was seamless conversation. It was all the questions that should be asked. And um, I remember the first thing I ever said to him, because uh, he was like, do you do anal? And I was like, I actually prefer anal. And he was like, wow, you want to book a scene together? <laughs> like, yes, I do. <laughs> but I would normally never be that open about it unless I got the good vibes from somebody. I'm very um, vibe oriented when it comes to that. I have to follow my intuition. I have to. And I think that's good advice for anybody, but especially those working an adult, because it's easy to look at the opportunity and not rely on that feeling inside of you. Right. It's, it's very easy to get too excited about potential. Yes. Oh, it very, really... very well said. I like that. <laughs> you can't, thank you. <laughs> you can't just like do anything off of what something could be. You have to look at it from all angles and really solidify something. And if something doesn't feel right, it's usually because it's not. And um, intuition is our most important tool when it comes to navigating this type of work and it doesn't matter if you are a dom if you're an escort a stripper a sugar baby an art model a porn star your intuition will never lie to you you have to follow it mm. don't worry dick would be coming back recovered and ready to go again welcome back to the pervert nation here he is dick dangle now people in the adult community have and always will have their issues with social media but i feel that people who work in fetish may find it particularly frustrating and you recently posted on social media that you had submitted an OnlyFans uh, deactivation appeal form how did that go have you heard back about that yes um I got absolutely terrified when that happened I recently did a very sacrilegious fetish video <laughs> and say that. it was too much for OnlyFans. And um, they gave me all these really wild reasons as to why it was taken down. And then they were like, all right, you are getting deactivated. And I didn't have access to my platform for a good few days. And I was like, well, I'm done. I got to find a new platform. And uh, luckily, I have amazing fans and amazing community. And they were like, just let us know where you're going. We'll follow you. This is bullshit. And I was like, thanks. Like, this is fucking cool of you. But it's really hard when it comes to the kink and fetish stuff, because there's just such a long list of terms and things that you cannot do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, it's wild to me. 
I feel like Siri Dahl put it best in Money Shot. They said, there's such a long laundry list of things that you cannot say. And a lot of it is very queer phobic. And it's true. It, it really is. And there are so many things happening to the adult industry when it comes to what the payment processors are going to allow and the tricks that you have to do in order to kind of like work your way around it. It's just uh, a whole different monster by itself. And so navigating that takes so much capacity and energy because you really do have to memorize these certain things because it's not applicable to every single platform. And, and so it's a lot of checking and, um, Besides all that, though, I did get my OnlyFans back, trying to circle back around. I got it back, but I cannot post that video on there. So people have to go find it on many vids to see what almost got me deplatformed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I never understood that, but I'm an older gentleman and I, you know, I kind of look at it as, well, if you don't want to see it, don't look for it. Like, it's right. not difficult, you know, but who, who am I? I mean, it's happening between two consenting adults. You have the 2257s. You have the proper form of identification in the release forms. No one's getting hurt, hurt. You know what I mean? It's between two consenting adults. And there's just so much I can say about that politically, but I don't want to bring the vibe down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it's got to be difficult to not modify how you present yourself or you know try to play around with changing your brand and how you kind of play the game like it's it's got to be just like just let me create how I want to create it exactly and if anything that just pisses me off more and when something pisses me off it makes me want to do it more it's like how dare you want to police what I'm doing with myself I deserve autonomy and you cannot tell me what I can and cannot do. I mean, luckily there's platforms where you can do certain things, but it really hurts a lot of other people who maybe aren't aware of other platforms that you can go to and who get completely deplatformed and then, you know, they're screwed. And it's just, it's not fair and uh, community is very important. And I feel like we have to keep fighting for what we know is right. And I think, I think together we're going to be fighting for a while. The government is always going to hate whores. So that is what I will say about that for now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What I will say to kind of bookend that is uh, politicians don't want you to find whores, but Man, they love whores. <laughs> they love whores. They are like they are the epitome of jacking off with one hand and pointing with the other. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like how fucking dare you? Oh my god. Yeah, absolutely right. But, but we'll get back to the fun stuff. We, <laughs> we don't want to. We'll get off the soapbox <laughs> because oh, I, I'm like you. Like I could just. I try to keep the vibe of my show, you know, fun and interesting, but there are times where I'm just like, damn you, you know. Exactly. (laughs) One thing that I really enjoy doing when I'm building my interview is going through people's social media and asking them questions about certain posts that they have made. (laughs) Uh Oh, okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I love that reaction. <laughs> so are you willing to answer a couple of questions about some of your recent Twitter posts? Yeah, let's go. Let's All do right. it. I promise you it is nothing bad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to return as a guest. I can't do that. <laughs> I trust you. <laughs> and much like I was saying in the beginning, I really love your Twitter because it encompasses so much. It has the fun of your personality. It has the artistic touches of what you enjoy creating, but it also has the trailers and the teasers that you put out there for fans to find. And I think you present your social media very, very well. So good job on that. Thank you. Damn. Absolutely. You're going to make me blush. Oh, you stop. (laughs) So I'm actually going to uh, very quickly go over uh, a series of three tweets here. And the first one says, I have a dungeon session later and I want to use my sub as a conduit for a fertility and prosperity ritual on this day, the day of the spring equinox. And there's a, a follow-up to that one, which is uh, collected his cum in a chalice, mixed it with my spit and poured it into his asshole. Happy spring. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the day before you said, uh, or I'm sorry, this was actually a retweet uh, from Frankie uh, Vanian. And uh, they wrote, uh, one time you, Arson Lee, and Sky Blue saved me from slipping and falling. <laughs> and the, the picture was on a bed. So, like, these tweets really take you on quite the emotional roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I live for chaos. I do. I fucking do. Oh, man. Yeah, those those both happened in the same space, actually. They both happened at Dungeon East. I did the session at Dungeon East, and we all shot a really awesome, beautiful, like, dreamy hookup scene with um, Moss von Fastenberg, who is a videographer that I work with a lot. And, um... I can just tell you right now, Sky and B are some of the most amazing people to work with. They're so professional. They're so down to earth. And I really enjoy making content with them. That video is uh, actually, I'm editing that video tonight when we're done. And so that should be out pretty soon. So you'll be able to see all the video proof of us saving Vivanian. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that'll be dope. But I, um, I don't know. I feel like I celebrated the spring equinox correctly. I agree. So. <laughs> Not going to disagree. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. I, um, I texted my sub earlier that day and I was like, Hey, how do you feel about using our time together as a ritual for the spring equinox and he was like well i don't really know what that means but i'm game and i was like all right (laughs) like he's like i trust you and i was like cool so we did the entire session and um he really likes getting pegged and he's kind of new to learning how to suck a cock. And so I was just giving him so much positive reinforcement. He was doing so well. He deep throated beautifully. And again, I, I mean, I'm strapped and I just feel powerful and just seeing his eyes and that glimmer in his eyes, like I'm doing good. And I'm like, yes, you are. And I have a surprise for you. And so I brought my chalice along after I realized that we're going to hit the 
the goal here. And I started with an entire circle of rose petals around the area where he was. And I had an ass up and I had the chalice and with fingers in his asshole, I also had him jack off and his sperm was collected so beautifully into my chalice and I spit in it and I swirled it around a little bit and I took this medical device, which is uh, an anal speculum, and I kind of cranked it open a little bit, poured it right in, and he just sat there and he said, thank you so much. I had so much fun. And that was that. And, um, you know, I did my whole ritual thing as well, but that was solid for me. That was a fertility ritual and a half. He was a very willing conduit and very proud of him. <laughs> <laughs> Is it getting warm in here? I, uh, <laughs> yikes. But what I wanted to ask about these, because when working in the BDSM community, people outside of it probably think you do anything and everything and how you present it is always rough and strong. And it really couldn't be further from the truth. Like with that one, it's, it's fun, you know, it's yeah. extra fun. And with the scene uh, with the two other performers, you know, it is very sensual. So I think there's a lot more dynamics to it than people really give it credit for. And you do have limits. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I have limits as does, every other person in the kink community. It's just assumed that we are the anything goes type of community, which couldn't even be further from the truth. Like it's always been very high protocol and respectful when it comes to people's boundaries. Cause I don't want to make anybody do something that's going to completely take them out of the element and have it be not enjoyable for them. I want to be able to have people feel like they can be vulnerable, but I also need to feel like I can be in that space and not feel pressured into doing something that I don't either feel comfortable with or not proficient in. Mm. So I don't want to hurt anybody either. And I will, I don't think there's any harm in telling somebody, Hey, listen, I don't know a whole lot about this or I'm not proficient in this. Maybe this person would be better for you. And I, I absolutely have boundaries. I don't do any sort of race play. I don't do any sort of like name calling. I don't do any sort of like scat or anything like that. And um, I feel like it's always been respected. I've never had somebody say, well, fuck you then. You know what I mean? But I'm also very picky with who I interact with because if they're going to come at me sideways, I'm immediately going to be like, all right, well, this isn't going to be a good time for any of us. So. Mm. Very cool. I like the way you answer that. Very nice. Thanks. Now, the next tweet I would like to ask you about. You wrote, Be right back. Rewarding myself with a vegan sweet potato shawarma pita sandwich. Goodness. And once I am all good and fed, I'll be chatting on the VIP cult the rest of the night. Now, this sounds like masochism. No, I'm kidding. I'm No! <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Now, are you a vegan or did you just like this vegan option? Like, what is your diet like? Oh, I am definitely a vegan. Okay. Uh, I've been vegan for most of my life. And um, that shawarma pita goodness thing that I had, like, I have dreams about it. It was incredible. So <laughs> thank you for bringing that back up. I have to order it again. <laughs> 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 it was delicious. But, um, yeah. 
I have been vegan for a very, very, very long time. When I was a kid, I grew up on a kind of like a farm setting. And so I grew up with being able to like yank my food out of the ground and like hose it off and eat a carrot. You know what I mean? And so it was never very difficult for me to make that type of transition to not eat animal products. I understand that as a privilege that a whole lot of people do not have. But for me now as an adult, like I, I didn't know back then when I first started the whole veganism thing that it was specifically for like, you know, animal rights and health. But that's, that's my main goal now is it is very animal rights oriented for me. And luckily I live in California and there's vegan options everywhere. So <laughs> I'm pretty blessed in that aspect. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, it is a lot easier now because there are a lot more options, but I'm sure at some level it makes traveling uh, difficult at times. Oof. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have to know what to look for. Um, I don't miss the days where there wasn't a single vegan option in a 20 mile radius. I mean, I did grow up kind of in the middle of nowhere in Southern California. And so I was used to having to cook, but God, I am thinking about some of the fucking recipes from back then. And I'm like, how did I do it? How did I survive? How did I not starve? Cause some <laughs> of this shit was absolutely disgusting. I mean, we, we are very pampered now. <laughs> very pampered. So I survived. I survived the beginning of tofu burgers. <laughs> oh, those early ones were a mess. Oh, they were gnarly. I'm not a fan, but I survived. So the next tweet I would like to ask you about, you wrote, I personally really want to do a shoot where the consent talk beforehand and the aftercare is filmed. I think it would help. Uh, a lot of people understand what is required of BDSM practices. I think this is a brilliant idea on many levels, but how do you think it will help? I feel like, how do I gather all of my thoughts really on this real quick? Mm. I, I feel like a lot of people need to see it. A lot of people will see a kink scene from a company and think that, okay, this is how I do it. Not completely computing the fact that this is fantasy. This needs to be talked about. This needs to be communicated. Boundaries need to be communicated. Um, the scene needs to be played out. And aftercare also looks different for so many different people. And we don't get to see that side often at all. And it would help a lot of people practice BDSM safer, in my opinion, because you can't just like go right up to somebody and start whipping them or smacking them in the face as hard as you can. Like it, people need to see that, like you need to go through the motions. It's a buildup and then you need to be in your aftercare position. I mean, doms need aftercare too, but a lot of people want to be held or they need water or they want a cigarette or they just want to cry or, you know, it looks so different and it needs to be normalized because there's a lot of people exploring kink and exploring BDSM, but there are aspects that are often left out. And I think that it needs to be heavily normalized in order for people to have the best time that they possibly could. And 
a lot of people do go to porn, um, unfortunately. Um, porn is not sex education, but a lot of people do see stuff in porn and they want to try it. And I think that, that would kind of pique people's interest to be like, hey, like we should talk about doing this like this. And what is your ideal form of aftercare? And um, what are green lights for you? What is your safe word? When should I check in? And, you know, it's just people need to start learning and normalizing which questions to ask because it's important to be completely comfortable in this aspect when you're doing something like this. Yeah, very well said. And and I also think it would help people who are watching it kind of connect to it more because they may understand or have an idea of what the power dynamic is all about. But when they are to see, especially the aftercare, I think they would really be able to go, okay, that is truly, at least for that moment, it's a headspace. And it kind of allows you to bring it, quote unquote, back to normal and kind of back to reality to show that aftercare and everything's like, okay, this is, and we're good and we can finish our day. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's just so fucking important and it's so cool to see so many indie artists and content creators and companies really start to show how stunning and safe and sane and consensual that BDSM is. I just kind of want to throw something wild out there, like showing how vulnerable you have to be even before and after too. Yeah, for sure. And I, I hope you do make that. Cause I think it's a great idea. Thank you. So now we get to the good stuff. So your <laughs> next tweet, you wrote eight films to get to know me. A girl walks home alone at night. The Hell witch. yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> the Witch, Risk Cutters, A Love Story, Lucifer Rising, The Love Witch, Sorry to Bother You, Train Spotting, and the movie The Cell. A very interesting list. And I must say, The Cell is definitely underrated. And it pains me because I don't know if you know the story behind it. They kind of ran out of money while they were making it. So they couldn't make the ending what they wanted to make it. So I did not know that. Yeah, so I almost feel like it kind of needs to be redone with modern technology and kind of, you know, finished in a way. But what do you think this list says about you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I put her on the spot. Fuck, no. Um, I mean, I think it, it shows that I like visually stunning art mm -hmm. with extreme, maybe depraved amounts of depth to them, but also things that are kind of romantic at the same time. Like, I don't know if you've seen Risk Cutters, a love story, but they are stuck in the afterlife and you can't smile. But these two main characters end up falling in love anyway. It's the juxtaposition of beauty and horror and art and depth that's what i'm extremely drawn to also i feel like every single one of these films to me has a wow factor to it and it's just like wow i didn't see that fucking coming i love a good kick in the side like that 
where it just makes you think and it makes you feel. And, um, I don't know. I just, like I said earlier too, I'm just kind of living for chaos. And I feel like that is also a very chaotic list of things that I adore. (laughs) So when it comes to horror movies, do you feel that, that, that there kind of needs to be a point to graphic violence? Like there needs to be a power dynamic and understanding. Like for me, I'm not someone that enjoys graphic violence for graphic violence sake. Right. I feel like it, it depends. Like if it's a uh, gratuitous violence and it's so much, it's almost comical. Mm. That is kind of the point. R- true. You know what I mean? But if it's just there to be disgusting, it doesn't do anything for me. Uh, that's, that's just me though. But yeah, I, I really feel like there needs to be more of a point to it. And I really need a good for her moment. You know what I mean? That I'm just like, all right, gratuitous violence is accepted. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Kind of like the, um, Oh, what's the movie? I spit on your grave. Dynamic. Oh, damn. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that could also be way too much for people. I mean, that's a very controversial film for sure. Yeah. So my last tweet that I want to ask you about, you wrote, I can't believe I get to see AFI perform the whole sing the so- <laughs> the whole sing the sorrow album tonight with Chelsea Wolf and Jawbreaker. If you see me crying, mind your business. Mind your fucking business cuz I was almost in tears and what's hilarious right now is I'm wearing an AFI shirt. Oh. I am so on brand. <laughs> That's awesome. So how oh my God. How, how was the show? It was uh, my inner child needed that. That entire night, I, I was, we got the best seats. My friend and I went, we got seats so close to the stage, but we were in general admission and we got uh, to see the whole side of the stage and and Chelsea Wolf. I mean, every single song that Chelsea Wolf has is a fucking banger emotionally. And it, it was, it's always like a movement and it was just an art form in itself. And I've seen AFI a bunch of times, but knowing that I got to see their album live, and this was the first, this was actually like one of my gateway AFI albums. The first AFI album I ever bought was Black Sails in the Sunset. Okay. And then it was uh, Sing the Sorrow. And then I was like, oh my God, there's another one in between here. And, you know, Sing the Sorrow, I feel like, is kind of their gold album. Um, that was the apex. And I feel like they knew it. And they were like, you know what? We're going to we're gonna put on a hell of a show. And they fucking did. And um, I almost cried. I really almost cried. I knew every single lyric. I tried to sing as loud and as on cue as possible. <laughs> and I didn't care who knew. And, um, yeah, it just, it really, like, healed part of my inner child that night and I was giving people hugs afterwards it was ridiculous like but I felt like the whole room felt that way you could cut it with a knife you know um I still have a little souvenir from it (laughs) okay but yeah that's never gonna never gonna leave my memory that was incredible thank you for asking now I'm reliving it all over again oh absolutely I as we talked about earlier I'm such a fan of music so we're gonna play this game very quickly Let's okay. play eight bands or music artists to get to know me. Hit it. Ooh. 
Okay. Are you going first or am I going first? Uh, this is all you. Go ahead. It's all me? Okay, because I'm going to ask you too. Okay. I, I'll do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, AFI, obviously. That's one. Um, the Distillers, Ooh. hands down. Absolutely fucking love the Distillers. I love Brody with all my heart. Let's see. What's another awesome band that I love? I love so many bands. The Gits. I love the Gits. Um, let's see. So many bands. <laughs> so many fucking bands are just buzzing through my head and I can't put words together at the moment. Um, who have I really been listening? Oh, from Ashes Rise. I love them. I'm into a lot of um like crusty punk rock stuff too. Okay. Uh the faster and angrier the better okay. <laughs> in my opinion but also very melodic um how many bands is that so far you three at four? four you're at four four we're at four good lord um damn hold on now i gotta think <laughs> i really gotta think all right what I'll... about you what are what are four for you some of my favorite bands of all time uh believe it or not uh frank sinatra Ooh, nice. Yeah, I love the Rat Pack. I love the music that that kind of early jazz big band stuff. Um, Fear Factory. Ooh, all right. <laughs> yeah, I listen to a little bit of everything. Uh, as I, I, I'm lucky. Oh, okay. Let's go completely off the rails. Uh, Real Big Fish ska band. Whoa, bring me back. <laughs> Dang, I haven't heard that name in a long time. They're still putting out amazing music. I absolutely love them. Wow. Um, if I have to go 80s, I would say Thomas Dolby. Ooh, all right. All right. Okay. Um, I feel like Depeche Mode was also like an apex moment for me okay. in high school. Um, I also listened to a whole lot of... Just like dark wave, goth, that type of stuff, like Joy Division. Joy Division, I can never get enough of. Okay. Man, I feel like I'm doing other bands injustice by like not saying their name. <laughs> I feel like they're going to like hear me or something and hunt me down and be like, why didn't you say us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on, I know you posted you were at our show. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> oh, how embarrassing. <laughs> like, whoops. So um, uh, I could go uh, European. I could go with bands like uh, Soil Work and In Flames. Oh dang! All right, here we go. Okay. <laughs> I'm also really I'm a I'm a really big Prince fan. Oh, very nice. Um, not just because he's super sexy or was super sexy, but like he's an extremely talented guitarist. Uh, the amount of music that he wrote and wrote for other people, I don't think a lot of people understand. They really don't. He was an amazing songwriter. Yep. And he did a lot of it quietly, mm -hmm. which is like respectable. It's like, okay, make your money. Okay. I see you. All right. You got one um, more. I have one more. One more. Um, Off the top of my head, Boy Harsher. I love Boy Harsher. They put on one of the most visually stunning and moving shows, and you can just feel it in the depths of your hips it's it's also very like sexual there's a very sexual element to a boy harsher show you could feel it in the room <laughs> like people just want to fuck in that room all right and i love it 
So to go towards your Depeche mode, uh, I'm a big fan of Lacuna Coil. Damn. Okay. I remember them. Yeah. And on Karma Code, I believe it's the last track on the album, they did enjoy the silence and they did that song a, a great service. Ooh, I, okay. I have to look that up now. You got to send me that link though. Yeah. Yeah. I can do that. I'll write it. Down. I would love to hear that because I feel like that's the song that so many people try to cover, but not a whole lot of people do it correctly. Agreed. I can agree with that. Yeah. It's always nice to hear a cover that, like, you're like, damn, okay, you guys actually really went off on this. I respect it. So when it comes to to remakes, do you want them to completely change it and make it their own or stay pretty close to the original? I like it when artists make it completely their own mm -hmm. because they are artists in of themselves. And they usually sound so vastly different from whatever song it is that they are covering. And so I like when they can bring their own element to it. It's really creative to see what people can do, but not everybody can do it right. Sometimes they just push too hard to make it sound too original. And it's like, man, but this doesn't sound like you either. Right. You know, what about you? Uh, yeah, I think it really depends on what the band's genre is and what song they're pulling from true because there there are times where it works super well and there are times where it falls kind of flat like um the band static x just redid terrible lie uh by nine inch nails wow oh nine inch nails deserves a honorary 10th place that's right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's really interesting because it's there are parts that are a little bit faster but it stays pretty true to it but they kind of made it their own so it works i like that yeah. i like that a lot we should just like make playlists for each other and be like here listen to this because i would be open to that Okay. All right, definitely. I I love connecting on a musical level with people. So you were talking about uh, what records that I have purchased recently. And one that I've really been into is a band called The Beths. It's a female-fronted uh, band actually from New Zealand. And they are very, it's very well-written pop, but it is just delivered so well that I absolutely enjoy it. Another band, it's uh, there. I don't know if you would call them alt rock, indie rock. They're called Can't Swim. Okay. And really enjoy them. I just picked up their album and I picked up, it was a reprint of a punk band from like the 70s, 80s called The Plasmatics. Oh, I love The Plasmatics. Yeah, they, oh, uh, they did a reprint of their one album and I, I had to get it. Damn, I don't blame you. I'd jump on that too. Right. <laughs> I don't care how much money. Just take my money. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's oh, that's a tough thing about albums. Like, uh, actually, like some of like the EDM techno side, I enjoy. And there were a couple bands that put out music, and it's like, God, I need to save for conventions and you know, a recording equipment. And then they're like, Hey, we're releasing this album. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> oh right. Oh my gosh. It just like. Our music library just keeps growing, but I'd rather have our record collection keep growing than have to buy another fucking band t-shirt. I have too many fucking band t-shirts. Do you wear them all? I do. I try. And then sometimes I cut them up so small, I lose them. 
And so <laughs> they're just like these little tiny rags in the back of my drawer that I find two years later. I'm like, oh, okay, there goes my rudimentary peni shirt. Found it. Okay. <laughs> Now, I understand you play guitar. So which guitar do you play and who inspired you to start playing? um, I have a bunch of guitars. Um, I had to sell a couple. Um, The one that is my go-to is still my very first electric guitar. It's a Jackson. And um, another one I have is a LTD that my ex- uh, or my ex guitarist gave to me and it has an Evertune bridge on it. And I cannot figure the fucking Evertune, Evertune bridge out to save my life. It's so finicky. And I just get impatient and I look up stuff on YouTube and I'm just like, I don't know if I have the patience for this. <laughs> and then I just go back to my Jackson. Yeah. So I'm trying super hard to be patient with my Evertune bridge, but my Jackson is always my go-to or my Ibanez acoustic. Ooh, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Floyd Rose design. I just, that can go away. (laughs) (laughs) You're just like, fuck that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like I get it because like, um, you know, I'm also a fan of like thrash metal and stuff like that. And Dave Mustaine of Megadeth, he usually does this thing where he'll put the neck of the guitar out into the crowd and they'll play with the tuning, but they're really not doing anything because all the strings are locked in position, but it is such a pain in the ass. God, that like gives me anxiety just to think about. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I don't want to fuck with that at all. <laughs> oh, yeah, I feel that completely. So we'll we'll uh, talk about music once we wrap up. But I did want to ask you, what does the rest of the year hold in store for you? I know that you're going to be at Exotica Chicago. Yes, I am. Uh, but what else do you have going on? Is it going to just be about creating art and content, or do you have other things in store? Art and content, I feel like, are a given for me, especially. I feel like I'm kind of on a roll right now. But I also have uh, other things coming out. They are going to be releasing the horror short film that I got to do. Um, there's probably two more short films in the near future, but I can't say too much about it just yet because I don't want to hurt their chances of getting into any festivals or anything, but, um, definitely keep an eye out for that. I think I'm going to get really into editing, um, cause I edit all my trailers and all my videos and stuff. And I have been really getting into making my own score and music for my trailers too. The, video that's dropping tomorrow with Mickey Maud for Collective Corruption has a trailer out, and I actually uh, made the music for that trailer. Wow. And I'm super proud of it. So I think I'm just going to see where the art takes me and keep saying yes to things that feel like they're in alignment with me and see where it goes. So, uh, yeah, Exotica in Chicago, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will see you in Chicago. Awesome. I can't wait. That's going to be rad. Yeah, I will definitely make sure I find you. Uh, You have a new fan. I love just who you are and what you're creating and this interview. And it just it was so much more than I thought it was going. Like, I knew it was going to be good, but it was just so much more than that. And I thank you so much for your time and what you're doing and what you're creating. I know the future is just going to be awesome for you. God, thank you. That's so fucking validating and rad. I love talking with you. Just good conversation all the way around. 
I'm really stoked that we got to do this. Oh, 100%. Thank you so much for saying that as well. So before I let you go, can you please tell the listeners one more time where they can find you online and on social media? Yeah, you can find me at OnlyFans.com slash arson, or you can go to the VIPcult.com, which will direct you straight to my OnlyFans. My Instagram is at saint.arson, and it's S-A-I-N-T dot A-R-S-O-N. And my Twitter is at saint underscore arson, same spelling as Instagram. And everything else can be found at beacons, B-E-A-C-O-N-S dot page slash arson. You can see all of me there. (laughs) <laughs> Amazing. Uh, hopefully, at some point in the future, I am able to interview you again. I would love that. Let's get together again. Yeah, we will definitely do that. So, once again, thank you so much for being on the show and can't wait to see you in Chicago. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you have an awesome rest of your night. Thank you. Hey. <laughs>